feel? No, I want to be liked. <laughs> I want it to flow. <laughs> I want to just go, ah, oh, just chatting. And I'm like, but that's not about Les, that's about me. I want me to get to a point where I'm not just going. Well, it's a mix of what we both said. Les likes us and wants to chat. Do you know what I suddenly thought then? As like, and I, I hate myself for saying this, but you know when you say something a bit pratty and it gets uh, in, and there's a little laugh and you're like, ooh, I think I'm in here. Wanker. <laughs> thing is, I know you're thinking that, so I, know, I just know. <laughs> so we were just talking and Les Dennis has been in our lives since, I don't know, since forever. I can't remember a time where I didn't, know who les dennis was as probably he was on telly as we were getting conscious did you come out your mother's and go les dennis <laughs> no i came out to the to the theme tune of family fortunes <laughs> did you which is what yeah. again <laughs> uh i don't know no 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 that's not no that's not it no i know Oh, right. I was. I don't know why I said that. That's no, not no, it. No, 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 that's not no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with me? Let it go. He's got it wrong. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, but he's been. He's always been in the corner of the room since I've been. Yeah. Yeah, I'm nervous. Been, yeah, I'm really nervous. I said to Petra, we're about to do it. And she was like, what? We're about to do it. We're about to talk to Les Dennis. And she went, oh, have fun. I'm yeah. Like, no. I, went, I said to Naomi last night, this is my job. I'm talking to Les Dennis in the morning. This is my job. This is my comes job. with anxiety. When it does come with anxiety. With a massive deal to you. I was lucky because I sort of forgot it was today. I thought it was next week. So I hadn't got any build up in my head. I hadn't been overthinking it because I kind of, I can block things off when they're a week away. Like, this is not happening. Yeah. But I felt that with you when I mentioned Les Dennis the other day. You were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> no, but it was far enough away yeah, that I, I, I didn't need to panic. And then you went last night. Tomorrow, and I was like, oh, God, and it engulfed me. I just, I just don't want to miss this opportunity of being able to ask. What's more important is he likes us. The thing is, I want to go into how big was the Family Fortune studio and I just, there's all right, that okay, stuff. Right, OK, OK, let's... There's so much stuff that needs asking. I can't think of... Because I'm panicking, I can't think of anything. <laughs> Even though there's loads. Fuck, I'm really nervous. <laughs> this really is... I'm, it's stifling, stifling nerves, though. <sighs> I can't think of a fucking thing, even though... We've I know, I... So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I, I need don't know a... either. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm hot and cold. Okay, it's fine. This is just that little connection between just a different generation. He's worked, he works with the greats and I'm like, fuck. And I also want to minimise my gushing. Yeah, well, like I can't I, help I, it. I've I, got to be real. Can't help I know, it. but I have to. I have to have a, like a like because there's my genuine gushing, but then I'll have my level of gushing, so he knows I'm gushing. You know, like I'll have a. 
Yeah, maybe I'm just going to stare at Liz. I hope he doesn't mind that. Just touch the screen. What's wrong with me? I reckon I'm going to take a screen grab without asking. <laughs> How are we going to start this conversation? Don't rely on me, please. Because I can't. I don't have to, because immediately, as soon as they appear, you're... <laughs> I'm just leaning. Don't lean in. Fuck. <laughs> oh, got nervous chills. Fuck. <laughs> I want it over. Oh, oh, here we go. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, no. I don't Ooh. do what I normally do. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my word. Oh. Hello. Hello, Les. Hello, Hello. Les. How, How are you doing? doing? Great. It's really lovely to meet you guys. <laughs> Oh, really? We're well, really nervous, Liz. <laughs> we're really nervous. So am I. So am I. I'm, no, no, I'm we a big are. I'm of you guys, honestly. I think you are brilliant, both of you. Oh. We've just had uh, a meeting for 20 minutes, just <laughs> working out how to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, because we are. At, oh, I'm still tense because I want you to like us. <laughs> I already do. Uh, I oh. Right, that's oh, it then. Man. Cheers, Liz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, tick, done, met Les Dennis, yes! Oh, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. And Tom Bennett sends his love. Oh, does he? Oh, are you working with Tom at the moment? Yeah, I'm doing Only Fools and Horses, the musical. I'm doing Grandad, so that's what... What? Yeah, I'm I'm Grandad um, filling in for Paul while he's off fishing and doing other things and uh, doing a little job show with Paul Whitehouse. Wow, How how long are you doing that for? I'm in it until the 7th of January. I've been there since 3rd of October. We're having such a lovely time. It's, I've spoken to Tom about that. He loves it. He says... He lives in your road, doesn't he, Joe, Tom? No, he's moved. Oh! He said oh. that last night, a warm-up. He said that he used to live next in the next road to you. Yeah, literally 50 yards away. Right. And then he moved to the sticks. But he told me a really interesting thing about doing that show, and I don't know if you've... you sure you've noticed it. He said... When they first, when you, when he first comes out, yeah. it's a kind of like, oh, it's not David Jason, <laughs> like, and he knows it's coming. Yeah. And then there's a moment, there's a gag or something, and you just feel the audience sort of click yeah. into. Kind of, they are the characters. Yeah. He 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 says to me that it kind of the the first scene is in the marketplace and he's and and he's there with all the other characters and they they sing um, the the. Uh, Fools and Horses song and he says it's then when because we're all it's on revolves you know the sets all revolve around on two different revolves and he says that when it gets into the trotter flat with Grandad and Rodney and Dell the audience just kind of ah breathe it's also kind of like people that come are like all the purists are like hang on a minute only Fools and Horses, a musical that, you know, John Sullivan would be spinning in his grave. John Sullivan came up with the idea for the musical and wrote um, one of the songs um, uh, in, in 25 Years Will Be All Millionaires. He wrote that with Chaz Hodges um, before he dies, before they both sadly died. And, and it's people come along and Michael Ball, who is a, a purist about musicals, came along and said, it's wonderful. It does exactly what it says on the tin. You know, it's a, Amazing. all the elements of the great telly show yeah. and the pathos. And it's a lovely play. It's kind of more of a play with songs than a, you know, a West End musical as such, but it's great to do. 
Mate. I mean, I've always wondered how Tom had the guts to take the role on in the first place, playing yeah. his big, Del well, Boy. And, and, yeah, and playing yeah. Granddad's big yeah. old boots. Les, I can't <laughs> believe, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, you're now at the age where you're playing Granddad. Well, yeah. Will be. I am. I'm the age that Leonard Pierce was when he died. He was 69, and I'm 69. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul's younger than me, so he's he's played it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Was that like a really easy decision to make to do that? Or because it was. It was for me. I just because I loved the show so much. Mm. In you know, um, people say, "Oh, did you watch it growing up?" I was like, "Hang on a minute, I was growing up. I was, I was mm. at the BBC doing uh, Les and Dustin's Laughter Show, and oh. studio to us. Um, so they were doing full the and next studio. Oh actually. my god! So right, got, okay, that's <laughs> in fact, Leonard P- Pierce and Nick Lindhurst came and did a sketch with us on the Laughter Show in those days, and so and, and one day. Buster Merrifield was in the in uh, in the uh, the canteen, um, and he was in his costume. And he said, uh, "Young man, can I borrow a pound to get a cup of tea?" And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Every time he tried to give me that pound back, I wouldn't have it. So because I wanted to always have Buster Merrifield owing me a quid. Oh. <laughs> Les, did you ever see the sets in the flesh? Did you ever actually go in there and have a look at it? Yeah, yeah, I went did in you? and had. You know, kind of, but but kind of timidly, we kind of stood in the back, you know, while it's. Oh while my god! I think. Yeah. I think. That's what, what, sorry. They, sorry, no. I was just going to say. I mean, that's what I think. Me and Dave, because obviously we've opened up that we've sort of chatted for going. <laughs> we're about to meet Leslie, but I feel <laughs> feel like we were. We've got all these things we want to ask about who you, you know the people you'd met and worked with, and that like the the list was sort of like mind blowing who you've yeah. worked with and stuff. And yeah, I like. You kind of you have you like the just the fact you were next door to only fools and horses. So you yeah yeah absolutely it was great. I mean and we would the the rehearsal uh, rooms were were in Acton and people used to call it the Acton Hilton because you know the, the the canteen was at the top on the top floor and you could be I mean I remember once standing in a queue to get me egg and chips and John Gilgood was in the queue. Um, and I remember seeing, kind of sat on, on the next table, Dirk Bogard and Lee Remick. Who were doing <laughs> what? It. So it was like, it was, you just didn't know who you might bump into and, you yeah. know, feel that, feel that kind of real, oh, my God, Dirk Bogard just kind of waved at me. He knows who I am. Incredible. Oh yeah. Right. So how long have you been... So I was saying to Joe, I don't know how long you've been in the industry, say 40 years. 50. I worry about what... Fif- how 50. 50. Fifty. Uh, yeah, I, I I started when I, I counted back to my my first telly was Opportunity Knocks in nineteen seventy one, with the show when Huey Green was the host of Opportunity. So uh, that's so it's fifty. It's now fifty three years because I'm. What, yeah, what, yeah. what did you do on that show? What was your? I did impressions. I, well, I did Freddie Starr's act. <laughs> 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 when you first start out, you're doing all. I did. Um, I did. Mick Jagger and um, Norman Wisdom and Jimmy Stewart, all in, lots of impressions. I kind of like uh, had also listened to my mum had been to see my mum and dad had been to see Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. at the at the um, Empire in Liverpool, and they brought me back an EP which was Sammy Davis Jr. impersonates. So I did all all of that stuff on there. Yeah. See, I, I, I was saying to Joe, I worry about well, what am I going to be doing in three years. How how do I navigate myself through this industry? How have yeah. you done it? How have you done it, Liz? Yeah, it's not I easy, don't know. Right? I kind of I, I suppose I just keep 
changing, you know, doing something different, you know. I mean, last year I did my first opera, or, you know, it's Gilbert and Sullivan, so it's not full opera, operetta, they call it. Um, and, you know, I look back at my CV and think, I don't know how I've done it. I just kept, you know, I knew that when I was doing the, the variety days, you know, working, doing summer seasons with Jimmy Tarbuck and Russ Abbott and, and working with Tommy Cooper and all those guys, I, I knew that that kind of those days were coming to an end. How did you know that? How did you get, because some comedians didn't feel it, did they? They kind of well, clung on. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, um, I, I just, I, I, I used to get the stage and you'd see on the back page, there would be weeks and weeks and weeks of work, you know, and you'd see all all the clubs, the, the um, cabaret clubs and the and the theatre. And you know how how many people were working fifty two weeks a year, and then you st I, I started to notice that it went down to half a page, and then it was a quarter of a page. You could see that the venues were disappearing, you know, and the working men's clubs weren't thriving the way they used to. Yeah. So I just thought, well, when I was at school, I'd been at school with um, Clive Barker, the horror writer, you know, who wrote Hellraiser, the right. movie, and. Um, and Doug Bradley, who played Pinhead in those, I was at school with him. So I'd, I'd done all the school plays with Clive and then done some of his plays after I'd left school and thought, shall I be an actor? I'd already started doing the clubs and I thought, shall I go to drama school? And I didn't. So, But I always intended to go back and, you know, learn the craft as an actor. And when yeah. fortunes came along, I was able to because it only took, three weeks of the year, I was able to go up and off and do a rep play for 250 quid a week, you know. And so you would, really? Then, yeah, I'd go so in to the new Newbury, you know, the, the water mill, or I'd go to Olden Coliseum and, and do a, a play. I did Skylight. My first play was David Hare's Skylight. Um, and the what? director, Ewan Smith, had the faith in me to do it. And um, so I, I, and I loved that. I, it was something that I'd always wanted to get back to. Well, that's what that's there's the answer there because it would have been really easy because you know family fortunes being the beast yeah. it was you could have just done that yeah you know what I mean and people yeah. some people would have done yeah and then that would have been well that, you when that, yeah I would have done yeah <laughs> and I would but have been you swimming guys off. You do, but you you you're always you know doing different things aren't you you know so I, I I I people say are you a workaholic and I must be because. You know, when I finish Fools and Horses in January, I'm going straight to Bolton Octagon Theatre to do a classic play for four and a half weeks. Wow. Because I, I, when when I got offered it, I thought, oh, I really want to do that. I, that's a great role, and, and I want to do it. So I just I, I just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I love. I still I still love a challenge and something different. Can I ask just a stupid question, Gabby? You know, you said summer season. Yeah. Is that where basically in those days you do you do the telly stuff, but essentially your living was still live? Yeah, you know what I mean. You you sounded like a nut sort of. Say you you know you do you're doing the the telly gets you your profile, but you feel yeah. like is it sort of, you sort of still think of your job as the the clubs and the theatres and stuff? Good question. And, I mean, literally, variety acts in those days could they do panto for? I mean, 
pantomime in the early days used to start on Boxing Day. They start earlier now and they finish, um, you know, the beginning of January. But they used to open on Boxing Day and then they could run through to nearly Easter. And then you'd do a summer season. You know, I, I never did one as long as that. 12 weeks was the longest panto I did. But summer season, 20 weeks at the North Pier in Blackpool. And it was six nights a week and it was twice nightly. You did it at um, 10 past six and 8.40. 6.10 and 8.40, you'd do two shows back to back and you'd have two houses of audiences traipsing up the pier to watch uh, the variety show. And, you know, they were great days. And I did, I did my first summer season with Jimmy Tarbuck in Scarborough. He taught me such a lot. You know, he, kind of, he saw another young... Liverpool lad. My dad had been had worked for a bookie, and his dad was a was a bookmaker. He went, "Come here, son. I'll show you how to walk on stage. I'll show you how to hold a microphone." He was fantastic. He just you know looked after me. Then I did a summer season with with the Black Abbots, and then um, then with Russ, I did lots of summers with Russ, and then Dustin and I when we hit very quickly, we hit you know television. How um, old were you when that happened? Uh, God, I would be. Um, let me see. 84 i'd be 31 31, 31. and um, that was a huge show wasn't it at the time the massive yeah yeah two i mean i met dustin on the russ abbott show i'd met him very briefly before on freddie Starr's show the the um who do you do the impressionist show and then on the russ abbott show um uh, we and he and i shared a flat um a, a service flat in london because we didn't have any digs and uh, we so so um i stayed with him and we just became mates and we started doing stuff together and uh and then we had this massive success yeah. two years before he sadly died in 1986 so did, young. Uh, what was that like les for you because you were just like you said you had a huge hit and then suddenly your partner would yeah I mean, it was like the the rug being swept from oh. under from under me. Um, uh, yeah, Justin, you know, and I were being tipped as the new uh, Morecambe and Wise. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we had a big Saturday night show, um, and it was a whirlwind. And then suddenly he'd gone. You know, we knew he ha- he had a condition. He had cardiomyopathy, which was an of the heart muscle and he knew he was on borrowed time we were there really? we worked with we worked with tommy cooper on the yeah, face- i was saying to joe you were there on the night weren't you yeah we were we were the next act on oh my god we, we, so what did what did what did you know what was happening what was- um it was it was strange because um i had worked with tommy 20 years before that on the on my wedding night <laughs> i worked with tommy when i was 20 years old um no, hang on, it wasn't 20 years, it was 10 years before. Um, in 1974, when I got married to my first wife, Lynn, um, I'd worked with him that night because my agent wouldn't give me a night off. So all my all my wedding guests <laughs> came to watch me work with Tommy Cooper. Um, and, and then 10 years later, uh, working with him again, and he said, I told you were funny. I said, don't get too funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that day he had made everybody laugh. He, did, he didn't do the same thing twice. And then on the night when he collapsed, he was doing this sketch where... Did he, 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 seem, to... did he seem ill at all that night, Les? Was no, there anything... 
Tommy, I mean, he, it's, it's no secret. Tommy liked to drink. I mean, he, you know, he, he, when that first time I worked with him in, in, when I was 20, um, he said on the Saturday night, he said, stay for a drink. And I went, okay. So me and Lynn stayed for a drink. And, and I think we left at three in the morning. And I know Tommy would go on till six in the morning regularly. Had this, you know, amazing, you know, constitution. He could, he could, he could cope with that. And, um, on the night, he was doing this sketch with uh, where he wore a massive big cloak, and you know it was clear he was pulling things out of the cloak. You know, first of all, it would be a standard lamp, and then and things were getting bigger and bigger until step ladders and everything, and they were clearly being uh, pushed through the curtains by the prop guy. You know, yeah. but but yeah. it was and then when he collapsed, I was in the wings with Dustin, David Bell, the producer, genius producer, who did all Stanley Baxter's work. Um, and um, Tommy Cooper Jr., his son, and, and Tommy's PA, and, and David, when it happened, and the audience laughed uncomfortably, David Bell said, is that a joke? And Tommy Jr. said, my dad has a bad back, he couldn't get up from that. So they went, this was live on TV, wasn't it? Was yeah. I yeah. remember watching it. I remember yeah. sat there watching yeah. it. And it was like, uh, cue music, cue commercial oh. break, and then they... They wouldn't move him. The paramedics came on and um, and kind of just moved him behind the curtain. Uh, and then uh, Jimmy Tarbuck and David had a, a a chat on stage and then said, are you guys ready to go on? And we thought, really? Um, and it, after the commercial break, we went on and, and did it. But that night, Dustin said, that's the way I'd like to go. And then two years later, don't, it never work with me, guys. <laughs> 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 I think it's worth the risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he collapsed as we went back to uh, to the dressing room. No, um, were you with him, Les? Yeah, we yeah we 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 were playing Ugly Sisters in in Southport, and he came into the <sighs> dressing room and he kind of clutched his left arm on my. He actually said, "I think I'm dying," and he collapsed and um, was in a coma for two days. Um, and and the loss, it wasn't just. You know, the fact that I had uh, this career with him, he was my best friend. He was such a lovely, you'd have loved him. He was a funny, very inventive um, comedian. God, that yeah. must be such a shock for you to be. Oh. It was, yeah, it was, it, it was a massive shock. And then I kind of proved to people that I was okay on my own because Morecambe died just around about the same time. And, and Ernie, because he'd been entrenched in that double act for so many, years he didn't know what to do i because i i'd done what i'd done before you know I'd, I'd, before i knew i could do it but i had to prove it to to other people that i could do it yeah and how long did it take you to kind of get the strength to go out and do it on your own i remember um going and doing uh, uh a week at the alex theater in birmingham and i was i was on with the crankies and i was all on my own and the press came you know thinking will les dennis be able to do this on his own and i remember i i opened with i'm still standing <laughs> <laughs> we've all done it okay. all right and then and it was fine and then then Family Fortunes magically came along, so I was very lucky. Oh, so they came, that came along at that point. Mm. That, um, yeah. Who did you oh. take over from? Well, Bob had done it originally. Bob Monkhouse yeah. had done about three years uh, in the did kind of... Did he do it three years? 70s, three or four years, I think he only did, did it. And then Max Bygraves did a yeah. couple of... Oh, yes. Yeah. 
and then it had been rescued and then I took over in 1987 and apparently I, on Twitter last night somebody said uh, today marks the 20 years since your last Family Fortunes was on telly so yesterday 20 years ago it oh. finished. Yeah. Thing is, Les, you you say, "Oh, I just took over Family Fortunes." Those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. Massive, and you know, if I look back now, um, I think p people would have said after the first series, "Now nah, let let's get another host," because my my early shows, I made massive mistakes in the sense that we did twenty six shows in three weeks. So, and we didn't have time to look back and go, oh, right, well, we could change that, we could change that. I took Bob as a blueprint and thought, what I've got to do is I've got to go down and talk to every contestant and have a joke for every contestant because that's what, that's how yeah. Bob worked. Yeah. And it's not how I work. And, and it took me that first series to realize, hang on a minute, the, the, the answers are funny. The, 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 if they come up with silly answers, that's funny. And just to look down the camera is enough. And, and yeah. you know, about the, the answers. I didn't have to do what Bob had done. But um, so, I, you know, I, I learned as, on the job, really. And, and, and luckily, they kept me on for seven, 16 years, I think I did it. Yeah. Did they have an actual booth? Did they sit in a booth? Yeah, did they? There's a danger David may get down to the action. I can get quite nerdy yeah, about this. Yeah, studio <laughs> sizes and things. And you, may, you, may, you may zone out. How many in the audience, Les, when you were recording those? How many in the audience? Yeah, in the Family Fortunes. Oh, gosh. Well, it was a, you know, it was a normal studio audience, so I should think it was about 200, right. you know. And right. when, when I did it, we would do – we started off doing two shows a night – and um, I, um, we do two with the same audience, so they they had to watch, you know, the two shows and and all that, you know. That's why Bruce always said you're so much better than the audience. They had last week. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> it, it was the audience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I did two. Then we moved on to three. But I also because. A lot of um, game show hosts kind of like work on the edge and like have a, meet the contestants literally in the game. I I felt that I had to be, and Bob had always said to me, but Bob Monkhouse was lovely and so kind of supporting, gave me some great tips. And he said, when you're a host of a show, it's like being the host at a dinner party. You've got to go around and fill everybody's glass and see they're having a good time. And mm. so I took that as my way of working, the way that Bob had done it. But I also did the, I used to do the rehearsals with them in the day. So basically I was doing four shows and I got to know them in the day. And when yeah, I say rehearsals, nice. not the same questions, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd put them at ease in the day and then by the night time, they'd kind of know me, you know. Did you get to the point where you could go, right, this family are going to be great fun. These ones are going to be a little bit <laughs> tricky. You know, like you kind of go, oh, God. Right, I've got to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, very often you'd get someone who was like nervous and would be, you know, blurting out, trying to be funny. And, and, <laughs> like please. us right now. <laughs> the, uncle, the uncle on the end, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they settled down and, and, and had fun. And, and you know, those the answers that we got were yeah. just it was, yeah, I mean you couldn't you couldn't yeah. write what what you know? the because obviously the thing about the family fortune cock ups they're like still viral now some of them yeah aren't they? yeah well I wrote down some yeah because I thought oh. you might ask me about oh yes that's exactly what I want to know <laughs> things like um uh, name 
someone you wouldn't see in a uh, some, name somewhere you wouldn't see a nun in a brothel. <laughs> These are all the ones that I get. <laughs> you know, I've looked through those, and some of them are from other from Bob. And was, it, um, was this person trying to be funny, or are they mad? It was. A, I know it was a one. I remember going bang a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing what you do under tension, though. Isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> the same family. It was named something other than doors you open. Your bowels, Les. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is why I never wanted to go on because I, I like, I, I was like, I would be one of the people that said, "Yeah," because then you like, suddenly go, "What? No, uh, no, yeah. no, I'm not an idiot." <laughs> but, but we, what we used to say to them again, we'd say, "Look, you know, don't just say I haven't got an answer and wait for the." Uh, uh, Say just say the first thing comes into your head. <laughs> so it's often. your fault, basically. My fault. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, something yeah. you wouldn't try even once. Sex on a train. Random answers. One of my favourites. <laughs> it was from Max Bygraves' year, and I remember watching because when I was um, uh, getting, they sent me loads of tapes to look at. You know, Max having done it, um, and I remember this. Sweet little old lady, a bit like the the lady in the Lady Killers, you know, um, um, oh, yeah. kind of, kind of. She she was there, and he said, uh, "Name a slang word for money," and she went, "Oh, um, bitch." He went, <laughs> slang word, bitch for money, and she said, oh, "I'm awfully sorry. I thought you said mummy." it was a great show to do i had a great time am i remember it we spoke to richard osmond didn't he say family fortunes is the perfect yeah he said he said it's the perfect game show like yeah yeah that's what they aspire to Pointless is is um, backward. Is family fortunes backwards, really? Yeah, yeah. he said that. He said hundred people, and you're looking for the least popular answer yeah. rather than the most. I think popular. he said they they did yeah. that basically. Yeah, I yeah. think he's quite open about. You, yeah. who, which which presenter did that? Because I I'm pretty sure you know you go. I, I think I watched it, or I might have watched it. No, but when the in in the final round where the guy just kept saying turkey, turkey. That was that turkey. was. That was Max Bygraves. That was Max. That was Max. And, <laughs> and the, it, it, literally the guy had gone into the booth and I think he'd put his headphones on and then they'd come to him and maybe <laughs> maybe he heard um, the yeah. answer. He, he heard um, somebody say, t- t- discuss turkey. And, <laughs> so he came out and, and just said turkey to everything. <laughs> the first one was name something you take to, to the beach. Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> name some you, you know you see in the park. Turkey. <laughs> the third one was name a bird you cook at Christmas. And he said turkey. And the audience. <laughs> 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 so, oh, me. I, I, oh. I think it said in the papers, and I'm sure it's nonsense, but the family offered like 500 quid if they didn't put the episode out. <laughs> really? <'Cause... laughs> well, you know, I'd say, if you look at the footage, the family are glaring at him. You know, he cuts back to the family, and, and I think Mac, Mac says, you've won a two-weeks holiday in <laughs> Um, but on the same on the same show, that family had a question: name a famous Irishman. And honestly, they said 
Trevor McDonald, <laughs> Des O'Connor, Tom O'Connor. These are honestly, and Shuey McPhee. Do you remember that <laughs> crossroads little Scottish um, chef? Oh, when he went down the line, these are the yeah. These are the... <laughs> McPhee, and then somebody went Terry Wogan, ding dong. <laughs> oh, oh, Terry Wogan was when they went to the, the other team because they'd gone, uh, 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 and they had to go oh. over. And it was so no wonder they offered the, the money to not put it out. <laughs> How often do you reckon you said, if it's up there, I'll give you the money myself? Over those. It's funny when I, when I first used it, and, and um, <laughs> and it's really the producer said, well, that's your catchphrase. And I went, and I've, I've just done it. I can't do it again. He's, that's what a catchphrase is. So I went. Oh, I loved it. Started using it, and, yeah. and I, I did it a lot. And one time, I did have to pay the money. I oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> really? Uh, it, yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. Because um, the question was name a way. Uh, let me say name name a way of toasting somebody. What would you say? Uh, cheers. Raise a glass. Raise the last cheers, yeah. yeah. All good. You can. I'll get you an application. I literally panicked there. Yeah, I did as well. <laughs> um, turkey. Yeah. Um, the woman said, "Over an open fire." If it's up there, I'll give you the money myself. And when we went down the list, it was there. <laughs> Somebody said, "Over, over an open fire." So, it, but luckily, it was only worth twelve quid, and I gave her the twelve quid. Right. And did did they did, right? Sorry, I'm getting so into this now. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. But did they <laughs> did they um did they really do it? Because I like we never believed that you actually asked a hundred people. Well, yes, we did ask a hundred people, but the way we did it was the contestants that were coming in for you know the 26 weeks. We would have the next year's questions, and during the day we would give them those questions. Also, because if you went round um, London and said, name a famous river, they would say the Thames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to get a cross-section across the British Isles. of the. So all the contestants that came in from all over the UK, mm. we would get them so, you know, to, to do that survey for the next year. Yeah. Les, what was your life like as a presenter of a... A huge game show when there were only three or four channels. You must have been. Yeah. I mean, fame well, it must. Was, it was a fame that doesn't exist. It was it, massive. Uh, you know, I mean, like, like you say, there were only four channels, and you know, of the height of its popularity, we were getting sixteen million. Jesus, a, that just doesn't happen now. That, no, that World doesn't. Cup games don't get that. Yeah, no, no, no. You know, um, so we, we were getting sixteen million, and we were on. It was Family Fortunes on a Saturday night, and then Blind Date was was after. And I get so many people saying, "We, you know, we would get ready to go out watching you our Saturday mm. night, again, yeah, watching you. You know, um, women kind of getting ready, putting their makeup on and stuff, watching the telly, and getting ready to go out on a Saturday night. And guys, and and so I, 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 I love that. I love that. You know, it was part of their. Saturday night culture, um, and and people, you know, I, I'm I'm very lucky, you know, I I on the whole get good reaction for things, unless I um unless I mention Matt Hancock in a in a tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, oh, the abuse I got, but uh, just 
unbelievable. But, you know, so I because I keep thinking, well, I don't have a lot of trolls. And then I saw, oh, I see. I see where they come from. Yeah, they, they pop their heads up. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's a question out of the blue. Who's the great, in your opinion, who's the greatest comedian you've worked with? Oh, gosh. Um, I Well, I think Ricky, working with Ricky was fantastic. I yeah. loved it. And, you know, I, I did the Exodus episode and then did Life's Too Short with Warwick and, and with Keith Chegwin and, and, and Sean, Sean yeah. Williams. And that was, I mean, that, I mean, I think uh, he's, he's, he's brilliant. But Tommy Cooper, I think, Tommy Cooper and Ken Dodd. Uh, when really? To the kind of the live guys. I mean, Doddy was, was a joy to watch. I mean, he could go on for five hours. <laughs> and, I, I didn't know if that was a myth. He really no, would go on. It, no, it, 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 he would start at seven and it wouldn't finish till midnight. Well, he'd have enough material to just keep throwing <laughs> yeah, out. For he he would, and but he'd also, he'd, he'd have the Diddy men on. He'd have the, right. you know, in between he'd stop and then and, and then his wife, um, Anne, would play piano and he'd, he'd have a variety show, you know. Wow. And, uh, I remember doing um, a summer season in Great Yarmouth and um, he was doing a show uh, at the ABC and at midnight there was a there was a hypnotist who started his show. Um, but, you know, Doddy would overrun and this hypnotist, you know, his show, his audience would wait <laughs> outside to go in. Yeah. Uh, and um, and, he, and Doddy, I remember one, say, one time saying, he said, I've had, had everything. He said, I've had, I've had the hook. I've had the curtains closed. <laughs> he said, "I've never had somebody in the wings going, come off." <laughs> he was, um, he was great. Did and, you and, ever see? Did you ever see Tommy Cooper sort of um, oh, pick it like go down badly in a theatre? I can't imagine him ever doing badly. No, no. I, I did and you know that that first week I did with him in Liverpool when I was, I was 20, the week I got married, um, what I watched him every night. And, you? and, he, and he, used to, he used to start his act with, um, the, the compare would come on Pete Price. It was, I remember it, ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Cooper, um, and the audience would go mad and you just hear, I can't get out. Yeah. Yeah. I, stuck in my dressing room. I can't get out. <laughs> Let me out. And they're just the anticipation. They because he had funny bones and looked funny. Mm. They could imagine him before he mm. walked yeah. on stage. He had a gate on stage. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Between the microphone and the gate. Oh, so good. How long, how long would he do the thing off stage for? How long could he oh, do it, it for? It would be. It could be three, four minutes. Yeah, you know, wow. it could. It could last. I think Rick Mail, as a tribute, used to do it. Yeah, you know, he right. and he and he, he attributed it to to Tommy. Yeah. You know, and Rick Mail used to do it in his act. And but how I mean, much of how much of his act was kind of correct? He knew exactly what to do next. How much of it was improvised? Was it all to the? He was. Second? He was. Um, he was a clever magician, so the, yeah. all that stuff of making it look like it had gone wrong, like Les Dawson had to be a pianist to get to do that. Um, Tommy was was good, and and it was it was orchestrated, but he would change the routine every night. You know, oh. he 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 he'd do different things. Um, and the, my, one of my favourite stories about him was um, he'd been in the guards. Um, and you know, you imagine Tommy with a massive big Busby, you know, <laughs> yeah, standing yeah. on on sentry duty, you know, having to keep reading. <laughs> and, and, he, and he started going, he fell asleep. 
<laughs> and, and he opened his eyes and in front of him was his commanding officer looking furious. And Tommy went, Amen. He <laughs> 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 was, was just a you know funny man. Yeah. I had trouble with my wife, my baby How did the uh, extras sing happen, Les? Does Ricky just ring you up? Out the uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I got a call from my agent. I mean, it was not long after I'd come out of the Big Brother house and uh, and the phone wasn't ringing. Was it um, really? Was it really that quiet? I, I, came, I came second in Big Brother, but I came out to um, Piers Morgan's uh, headline um, front page of the Sunday Mirror. Um, and when he heard I talked about this once before, he banned me from GMB. It said, yeah. is this the most pathetic man in Britain? So I came out oh, to come. I was yeah. confused. I was thinking, I thought I did okay. And I was talking to the chickens, but that was comedy shtick, I thought. And there was someone in the psychiatrist. But anyway, a lot of things going on in my life, like you know, marriage and that stuff. So I came out and, and I remember I was, I was going around um looking I was, I was looking to move house by a house i needed a house i'd lost one so I, yeah um, i i was um with my mate who was an estate agent and my agent called and said ricky gervais wants you to call him and i was like what i was like come on this is the most the the, the biggest comedian in the in the world right now yeah um and she said no he does want you to call him so i called and um got voicemail uh and and then he called me back and I, you know, I, I remember thinking, is this a wind up? Is this John Colshaw? But, um, <laughs> and he just said to me, uh, we're doing this thing extras. And I'd read about it and thought that sounds great. And he said, we've got a role for you. If you fancy coming to talk to me and Steve, and uh, we want you to play a twisted, demented version of yourself. So, um, yeah, I went to see them. And, and was it, this was the first series, wasn't it? Of extras. Yeah. Were in. Yeah. It was the yeah. 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 So I mean, and when I went to see them uh, in their office, um, and they were sitting, um, they they both were sat with a sandwich, and they went, "Oh, we we just got our sandwiches in, so we didn't have to get you one." <laughs> Difficult. <laughs> yeah. But oh, Les, the first time I met Ricky, yeah, I'd made a little short film, and he was writing the Christmas office, Christmas special with the office. I might have said yeah. it before on the pod, but I was so nervous. Yeah. I had to meet them in Oxford Street. 
go to the top floor. So I was in the lift, like, oh, God, bloody hell. I was just driving for a living. He said, come up and meet us. Okay. I came up, the doors open. He said, hello, mate, take your shoes off. I went, okay. (laughs) I took my shoes off in the lift. (laughs) And he went, no, no, keep them on. (laughs) Keep one on. Keep one on. Oh, dear. That that extras, I remember it so clearly because it's such a standout. Your your app's such a standout app. And it was just one of those things where... Well, I just went, I think Les Dennis is brilliant. You know, you go, God. I don't think anyone knew you acted. Well, I didn't. I didn't know you did all that. I think I remember texting someone going, have you seen Les? I think Les Dennis is brilliant. Because it was so, it was so, um, just so natural. yeah, Yeah, and kind of like, it was one of those things where you sort of go, it was quite a brave thing to go, I'm, I'm just out of nowhere going to play like a lunatic version of myself. (laughs) But it it got such a good response because everyone sort of went, oh, he's really sort of up for, like, taking the piss out of yourself and doing it so well and committing to that. And trusting Ricky and Steve. And trusting Ricky, yeah. yeah. At that time, you got Piers Morgan writing that and, and, you know, and the press calling me Les Miserables, Mm. you know, and, and I thought, well, I've got a chance here to show that I've got a sense of humour about mm. it. And, you know, when they said Twisted Demented version, is there anything, you know, you don't want us to mention? I said, do what you like. And they sent me the script and it arrived on Christmas Eve. And I remember sitting nervously thinking, right. And I read it and I just thought, this is brilliant. And um, when I, 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 I remember when I did call him and it was after Christmas, he went, oh God, he said, we thought you didn't like it. I was, I was being polite. I thought, I better not call him over Christmas, you know, it, it's, it, he'll be off. Everyone's um, insecure, aren't they? They were, they were thrilled that, you know, that I w- wanted to do it. And, um, uh, yeah, I I really wanted to just say this is me knowing about, you know, the perception and just blasting that hopefully out of the water, you know. Right, it um, did. It, it completely how, did, didn't it? It was just how brilliant the... You, you played it. It was just so believable. Were you wearing where... anything in that changing room, Les? When you, <laughs> Did wearing... you have a little please tell here? me you were. I was wearing as as um, Ricky said, um, "Give Les a cricket box." <laughs> so I don't have to see Les's awful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one, He's a charmer, isn't he? Somebody in the props um, uh, department must have done it as a joke. The biscuits on the side were ginger nuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which we didn't use within it, but, you know, they were there. Yeah. Did it um, feel good when you were playing the part? Did it feel like a funny show? And Yeah, it, yeah. and, and uh, you know, when we were rehearsing it, I remember, you know, well, when I went to the office to read it with, with um, Ricky and Stephen, I remember them, and I, I always remember the quote of Billy Wilder saying this, this to Jack Lemmon. Um, they kept saying, do less. So I did, did less, do less. And I remember uh, that Jack Lemmon had said to Billy Wilder, if I do less, I'll be doing nothing. And he said, that's what I want. So <laughs> yeah. I think you know, so yeah. I got the idea that the less I did, yeah. the better it was, because it was so well written. The only thing I added was, you know, and I remember again, we were at the American church rehearsing it. And um, and at the end, the last scene, with the as, as they called it, you know, um, me in bed with the pissed up slapper, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and and uh, I say I don't really know, and she's like, 
get off and then it, it was written again <laughs> i don't really know and i went do you think because i've just done that could i say if it's up there i'll give you the money myself yeah we'll do it we'll, we'll use it but you're not getting the writing credit <laughs> so oh. yeah I was pleased that I'd added that. Yeah. yeah. Did he let you guys? I mean, watching you guys with with all the work you've done with him, you know, your your seems very um, improvised. Did you write a lot of your own stuff, or did did Ricky? Is every word written? No, no. There's definitely a, there's definitely a scene there, but I mean, for there's me, a lot of play yeah, out, yeah, yeah. There's a he's and really Joe, yeah. isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. yeah. If I feel like. In the moment when I'm active, I've got an idea and just go off on one. He doesn't yeah, mind. Yeah. He'll say more of that or less of that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. It, I think he's. He really likes people that he knows he can do that with. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Right. There's, there's there's a scene there definitely, but I think yeah, if you you know, it, there's a, like a pissing about time, which I think is really important for yeah. Ricky stuff. Do you know what I mean? Because you just don't know. What you're going to do under the yeah, under the pressure of the lights? Work early, don't you? I mean, uh, he oh. doesn't be on four or five o'clock. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the best job in the world. You go right, we're yeah. done. Still light outside. And and you know, uh, I remember that when we filmed that scene, you know, where I said, "If it's up there, I'll give you the money myself." <laughs> Even had to send him out. Yeah, oh, he's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> and the camera, and he laughed through. The first two takes of it, and and Stephen was like, "You can't do that, Rick. You've got to go <laughs> he hasn't out. he hasn't learned his lesson though. He's <laughs> lit. Oh, but I think it's sort of quite nice knowing that the worst behaved person on the set is the director. <laughs> so you go, oh, I'm I'm looking incredibly professional. So sort of yeah. the the weights off a bit. You know what I mean? He's worse than me, and he's. Yeah. he's I, I found if I wasn't getting the laugh, I go, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> but, <laughs> so you end up with nothing usable though. You know what I mean? Like if if he's laughing over everything, because there was there was a take we did that I remember being like the best take, except for the fact he's piddling himself. Yeah, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Les Keith Chenquin was amazing actor, wasn't he? He was so brilliant. But how much uh, acting had he done before? Well, he he, he was um, a child actor. Oh, uh, oh of course, he, yeah, yeah. I think he was in. Uh, Robin Hood, you know, the TV Robin Hood. Um, as, um, I think he was Will Scarlet. It was a young Will Scarlet. And, um, and he'd done some uh, films as, as a kid, you know. So he had, I mean, that deadpan, you know. Oh. You know, the, the, there's a uh, Colin Holt um, played the kind of um, inspirational therapist for me and... Mm. Um, and mm. I mean, he was allowed. Uh, Colin could just go off and do kind of yeah, yeah. Wild. yeah. Um, and Rick and um, Ricky just was laughing his head off at Keith more than anything because yeah. Keith has that hard blessing, <laughs> that deadpan. And you know, he was so excited because we there was there was talk about a spin-off for the three of us, and and then he he left us. Yeah, yeah. The three of you were so good together, so did, funny. Did, did people's perception of you change after extras? Did you feel a shift? I, it was a gradual shift, yeah, and kind of like, and I think as 
you know, more and more people have seen it. I get, I get a younger audience and people saying to me now, love your extras, you know, so it, it was a gradual shift, but yeah, definitely there was um, that thing where suddenly I was getting offered things that I wouldn't have been offered before yeah. because I was in that variety world. It's very, I mean, we, we tend to pigeonhole in this country and, and you know, certainly whenever I do a play, even still, if I do a musical, people are like, didn't know you sang. If I do a play, I'm a revelation. It's only, I'm, I mean, I've done God knows how many plays, but I'm still a revelation. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. There's worse things to be called, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Les, so, what was, what was um, Eric Morecambe like? I never met Eric. Didn't you? I didn't meet Eric. Um, because we, when me and Dustin were going, um, it wasn't long before Eric died, and um, I remember we were at a, um, a charity thing, and and Ernie was there, and Eric said to us, he said, and Ernie said to us, he said, Eric loves you too. So I was really, <gasps> I never got to meet him, but yeah, you know. what a thing to know, though. I know, and, and uh, uh, the other thing that I love, and, and Dustin was, uh, you know, I, I told you about the Acton Hilton, he was cute his cup of tea and a voice behind him said you're good you're good just want to say you're good and it was ronnie barker that was saying oh okay that's me done that, that, that would know, be me yeah that kind of you know it's comment. really weird talking to you because you're that you just feel like that connection between this sort of yeah, yeah. well it's you, just you, the, the level of stuff you yeah, the people you've worked with and, and yeah. everything. I, I've got. To, I was obsessed with the Russ Abbott show as a kid. Great. Oh wow! I, I said to David, I remember watching you guys and just going, I couldn't imagine anyone being funny. You know, just it was oh. just it was just so funny. And, and I swapped clips with because my friend saw right. that you were coming on, and we yeah. spent the evening sending <laughs> each other clips. Yeah, and it was. Well, it's still so fun, just funny as hell. It is. Like all the stuff you did. It with is that you can't. You, the, Russ's shows are not on Dave or or you know Gold or anything. There's, They're nowhere, there's, are they? There's, 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 no, you, I mean, you find them on YouTube, but people yeah. have sent clips and things. Um, but you know, there's there's nothing there. You know, that's that's repeated. Um, and and Russ has kind of given up now. I think he got a little bit disillusioned. You know. He, he doesn't work anymore. He, he, really? he plays golf and I think he lives in Portugal most of the time. Who, who wrote on those shows? Was it a big gang of writers? or Barry Cryer. Yeah. Wow. Wonderful Barry Cryer. Um, uh, Minette and Leveson. Um, Paul Minette and, and Brian Leveson, who um, wrote The Piglet Files for Nick Lindhurst and did a lot of uh, scripts for my family that, you know, they were a kind of. They went on to do a lot of um, situation comedy writing. Yeah. Uh, um, who else? Um, Dave, David Vincent. Uh, was it David Vincent? Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent, who was one of the two Ronnie's writers. A lot of right. the two Ronnie's. Neil Shand, who wrote for David. Of course, Croft. of course, it was funny. That you know what I mean with that. You know, with you got yeah. you guys performing it and that writing it just doesn't exist anymore. Where you've got that amount of because because there's so many people watching it you can kind yeah. of feel like you can commit yeah. more money to the rioters and the the you know and everything well, barry but, would be the the script associate and you know editor and he would you know kind of uh go through all the people would send in sketches you know um and new writers would be found as well i just remember so like uh, 
the bit that my, me and my mum still say is about the. Do you, I don't know if you remember the court subpoena line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the court. If you got you've got a court subpoena, and and he goes, just oh, it's just the way my trousers hang. <laughs> and like we're still saying that like forty years on, is it like uh, from, from the Russ Abbott show? Russ would be thrilled. He'd be thrilled. Oh, there's so many bits of it. I was just, I don't know, just because it was. I say it was like just part of my life. It was. Yeah. Was I, I love like for instance, like when Tom, Tom, when when I started working with Tom on Fools and Horses, he said, uh, "I've got to tell you that when I was 11, I came with my dad. His dad's an actor, Colin Bennett. Oh and, yeah, I met yeah, Colin, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And um, he said I came to, and I was in your dressing room with my dad. Uh, when you were doing me and my girl at the Adelphi, and he said, and that that was what something that inspired me to want to do this. And you just yeah. think that's lovely when you can you can think that somebody's seen something. You know, the 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 chap I, I've got to tell you is the chap I was swapping YouTube clips with. He told me I saw him last night, and he said, when Dustin died, his teacher <laughs> helped him write a letter to you to tell wow. him, to say how sorry he was. Yeah, I got I got sacks full of of lesson of of letters. Absolutely, it was incredible. You know, I think that it it did hit a nerve that you know mm. people were watching the show and young kids were watching the show mm. and were confused about oh, where's yeah. he gone. Yeah, In yeah. The la the last series we did, um, the first episode went out like on the twenty eighth of December, and Dustin collapsed on the first and died on the third of January. And then they postponed the rest of the series and didn't put it out until much later. But you know, there was so much love for him, and and literally, I, I it was it's the one time that I've sat and answered every every letter. Yeah, every letter. I mean, yeah. said it before, but that must have been such a just shocked your little world then, just and then moving on from it. Yeah. Bloody hell! Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely that. You know, the fact that it was. It it was it was on two levels. It was a, a work partner, but it was also yeah, my, you know yeah yeah. See, every part of your life was yeah. changing basically. Yeah. He, you know, before I met Dustin, he was a big name in the clubs, in the cabaret clubs, he, and without in the way that Billy Connolly, um, uh, what's his name, Mike, Mike, um, the guy with the big tash, Mike, oh, Northern. McMillan or I, someone? No, no, not me. But um, anyway, uh, come to me in a minute. Um, those guys that could work the clubs without television exposure, they just right. had a reputation, and he could fill those clubs. And he was doing, you know, amazing impressions that were so visual. He was do, he used to do David Bowie with a he had a costume that, and in a strobe light, he kind of swung round, and it looked like Bowie was levitating. You know, it was he was so inventive as a as a comedian and impressionist. Um, and then when we worked together, and somebody said you should be a double act, he went, "Yeah, definitely." And I went, "But you're already established." He said, "I just love doing this." And to the extent that we did Panto together, um, uh, the first thing we did together. And it said it was, we were supporting Russ as Ugly Sisters. So Russ Abbott as Buttons, and then it said Dustin G, and in little letters, and Les Dennis. <laughs> and we had the same agent at that time. And my agent called me and he said, Dustin wants me to talk to you. And I thought, oh, have I upset him? And I went to see him, and the agent said, Dustin um, is a bit embarrassed. He's getting double your fee, and he wants 
uh, to be parity of pay. This was before we decided to be a double act. He was wow, wow. He, he How often does that happen? Exactly. He said he, he wants you to have the same money. And he also thinks it looks better, Les Dennis and Dustin J, than Dustin J and Les Dennis. And he wants the posters changed. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he yeah. was, was he sort of 10, 15 years older than you? He was 10 years older than me. 10. Yeah. 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 Bloody hell. Such a loss because he was, he was incredible. Yeah. yeah. He would have been, he would have been coming up 80 now. 80? Yeah. 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 God. Yeah. Well, thank you, Les, for coming on. It's just oh. is, this is. Pl- I'm going to walk around the house now. Just going, <laughs> I, I'm going, going to text after- my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a great time. And listen, I was as nervous as you guys because I really. Well, that's madness. Well, no, it isn't because you know you're the new. You know, we're, uh, we're really not. <laughs> we're really <laughs> not. Look at the grey on us. Well, <laughs> you are. And you know, and I think what you do is great. I thought Derek was a fantastic series as well. You know, Afterlife is great, but I love Derek. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it was great fun. So you're so you're doing you're doing Only Fools and Horses, and then you're off to you're doing I'm off a- to, to Bolton Octagon Theatre to do um, a classic '60s play by Bill Norton, who wrote Alfie. It's called Spring and Port Wine, and it's a wonderful um, family saga. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. how much sorry last question how much of the next year is planned for you or are you just nothing at the moment you know I mean, people think oh you you must you know work all the time and i do but it always is you know it's feast or famine our business and i don't have a clue and it always comes around that you know it gets towards christmas and and i look at my wife and think i don't know what we're going to do next year mm. well, it's, it's so weird hearing mm. you say this though there's something about the turning of the new year i sort of yeah. come out to december i think i'm sort of going oh, survive that year yes you know I mean? and then and then you get to january and you go oh, there's a whole year it doesn't make any difference it's december the 31st you know what i mean yeah. Gen- <laughs> but suddenly the switch goes isn't it yeah well paul whitehouse said to me he said job share and i'm like yes please so <laughs> who knows, i might up and then go back in you know you know, no. Thank you, Les. It's been an yeah, honour congr- to meet yeah, you. It's been brilliant. Congratulations <laughs> on everything. Go out when you put this out. When? Um, in the next week, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. Oh my word! I'm going to. I've I've just met Les Dennis. <laughs> I'm going to say that all day. My missus is going to go. Oh, shut up now. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go. I didn't ask him about. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I will also go to David. He, he liked us, right? He liked us, right? Yeah, he definitely liked us. He did. He'd be so needy for about two days. So. Loved it. Thank oh. you. Oh, thank, thank you, Les. Les. Have a great day. Take Bye. care. Thanks again. Cheers. Bye. 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 You put the you put the phone down. No, okay. you do it. No, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> we do this for now. <laughs>